When life gives you lemons, what do you do with them? Over here at The Squeeze, we We talk talk about it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Squeeze. I am your host, Taylor Lautner. And hey, look at that. I am also your host, Taylor Lautner. Thank you for joining us. Do you think that I'll ever get old? Um, Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of already over it. Oh, better we do this then? Or <laughs> <laughs> No, we just got to come up with like fun nicknames or something. Okay. Well, who do we have on the pod today, Girl Tay? Well, we have my, I guess we kind of determined it was my top two guess because i have, i always say top three but i never had a third yeah but we have the one and only emmanuel acho i've said this before but if i were chris harrison right now i would say this episode is going to be the most dramatic episode of the squeeze ever oh my god it's actually funny because the episode itself isn't that long yeah but after listening to it it like we stopped recording and i was like oh wow it actually hasn't even been that long. Because it, so, was, it was stuffed with goodness. Yeah. Like, it was, it was rich. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, everything that Acho says is just, you know, he's, he's thought of every word that comes out of his mouth, you know, twice through before he says it. And it's just. But we did have a couple questions for him that um, he, you know, he opened up. Yeah. And was very vulnerable and talked about a few things that he has never talked about before. Um, and we were so thankful for that. I just, I, I can't express enough. If you listen to the rest of this episode, you will understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. We have had some terrific conversations, but this one, I gotta say, was just a dream conversation to have. Yeah. Uh, we both respect this man so much and he went above and beyond with not only his advice and sharing his wisdom, but his vulnerability. Yeah. So I'm so excited for everyone to listen to this. You are in for a ride. Yeah. Enjoy. Emmanuel Acho. I could not wait. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. We are genuinely so pumped that you are here. I mean, Tay can dive a little bit more into it, but legit, when she told me the idea of wanting to do this podcast, I was like, like, what kind of guests do you want? And she was like, well, you know, it'll be great to have, you know, some well-known people and like, people were fans of from movies and you know tv shows and stuff but really i want to get to the level where we can get people like emmanuel acho and i was like okay good luck we'll see <laughs> I, did, I did say that and he also did respond with that response yeah i'll admit it yeah but i mean in all seriousness we just like respect the crap out of you and you are just with such a cool dude doing such cool things and you were on my top three bucket list people to have on so Dare this I is- ask. Who the other two are, right? You want to know? I have to know at this point. Uh, my other one was Dr. Nicole LaPera, LaPena. Hmm. 
um, the holistic psychologist. Got you. She's written the book, How to Do the Work. Who is my other one that I said? I don't know if you ever, I don't, you, you didn't tell me. You just like told me that. I, I, okay, then maybe top two. two. Yeah, I'm you one are, two. Yeah, you are one it. too. Yeah. Pat self on back. Let's not undermine him. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, so we start each episode with a little segment we called Citrus Got Real. Okay. This beautiful lemon jar. There's a bunch of little uh, papers in there with some serious, deep-rooted Very intense questions. questions. If you wouldn't mind pulling one out of there. Okay, we're pulling paper out of lemon jar. <laughs> yes. Roughly, I don't know, maybe 80 pieces ASMR of paper general. in there. Do I just have one? Yes, just one, yeah. okay. Very scary questions on these things. What job could you never imagine doing? Oh, Wow. What job could I never imagine doing? You know what? I don't think I could be a gynecologist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could be an OB. With all due respect, like credit to OBs, credit to, you know, gynecologists. But yeah. that's just not my portion. Yeah. It's not my calling in life. <laughs> I is, guess that. This is ironic because I have a gynecologist appointment tomorrow. You do. Go get your paps, ladies. All right. <laughs> yeah. Not by me. That's true. Not, just not, not by Emmanuel By me. <laughs> Mine would be anything involving blood oh, or yeah. bones mm. or needles okay. or anything in that realm, which is funny because that is all my wife does. She is a nurse. She loves poking people with needles and all the nasty anatomy things, but it's, I, I, I don't do well with any of those things. So I get that. I guess being a nurse, you know, that's why you married one. So you didn't have to do it. Yep. Um, mine would probably be, I don't know why, but something that's like really claustrophobic, like working in like a submarine yeah. or like a, mm, like, like a, underwater. Yeah. You've thought or about like this before. Mine. You definitely thought about this before. Yeah. It's a new, it's kind of a new thing for her though. She, yeah. all of a sudden in the last like two years, max has gotten really claustrophobic, like in airplanes or when we were in New York last, we went on the, the underwater like tunnel mm -hmm. and she freaked. It happened to me once. I've never been, never had a, a spurt of claustrophobia except one time I was sitting on the window seat in an airplane. And craziest thing is you're not actually trapped. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I was like, I, I can't move. I yeah. can't move. And I don't like bothering people. So I don't like getting up. Yeah. Can I going to go to the bathroom? No, I'm not that guy. Yeah. If I'm flying across the country and I'm in the window, I'm not getting up. I will suffer for the greater good of the person <laughs> in the aisle. But I literally like was like, what is going on? And I had to get up and just pace the aisle for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a new. I actually I never sit in the window because Taylor's always the window seat because he's because he's what <laughs> I just I, I enjoy a window for seat. Transparency because he's famous and people can't come up to him if he's not in the aisle seat. So that's, the way that's to do why it. that helps. So, but so <laughs> I'm always now in the aisle seat. But I recently traveled without him and sat by the window, mm -hmm. and I was like, nope, can't do it. Nope, I have to sit on the aisle now. Which is there we go. Makes so a great weird. team. Yep. Okay, you take it away from here. What? It's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to start it. <laughs> I did? Yep. Oh, crap. You're right. I did want to start this. Okay. This is what happens when you have friends over also sitting in the background of these cameras. That are <laughs> if I had someone here, I would pan the camera over to them, but I don't. 
Okay. No, I, I did want to start this. So thank you for reminding me, babe. Um, I have a very, very important question. Okay. Um, that I want to open this up with because I'm jealous of you. Truth be told, you have already accomplished something on my bucket list. Uh oh. And that is, I am a massive Bachelor fan. <laughs> and you hosted after the final rose <laughs> on the Bachelor franchise. That happened. How was that? Can you give me just anything? Because I, it was, it's probably the coolest thing that you have done. This is <laughs> the squeeze, correct? It's the squeeze? Yeah, yeah. Um, so let me give a little exclusive information um, <laughs> just to the squeeze. So I get called in January of 2021. Hey, Emmanuel, um, you know, our host, Chris Harrison, he's, um, you know, going to be temporarily suspended, looking to potentially have you host The Bachelor. I said, OK, well, who else are you looking at? Um, it was a high level exec. Won't say the name, but he says potentially looking at you to host it. I said, who else are you looking at? It says Tyra Banks. He says Michael Strahan. And it was me, me, Tyra, Michael Strahan. The question is, why Tyra? Why Michael? Bachelor's on ABC. They wanted to keep it in the family. Got it. Obviously, Strahan's GMA, Tyra, I believe, Dancing with the Stars. Um, so they wanted to keep it in the family. Now, at this point in time, I was well-versed in the race space. And The Bachelor had their first yeah. black bachelor. And for those listening or watching without context, the first black bachelor in the 25 seasons. And the woman who many had assumed he chose, we did not know yet yeah. because the episodes were airing and all the things, the woman we assumed he had chose had some racially insensitive photos surfaced. So they call me, hey, Acho, you, Strahan, Tyra Banks. What do you have to say for yourself? I say, um, look, at this point, you can go with whoever you want to go with, but I am confident of my ability in this space. Yeah. Right. It might not be the name of Strahan, the name of Tyra based upon the history and, and their legacies, both within sports, within modeling, et cetera. Sure. But for this job, I'm confident I can do it. This is what people don't realize. It was a six hour shoot that we cut to 44 minutes. Um, usually it is done live. But because of the sensitivity around the topic, they didn't want to do it live. Yeah. We were also in the midst of a pandemic. Usually it has a live audience. Yeah. No live audience. Mm. It's just me, Matt James, and the three women, Rachel Kirkconnell, Michelle Young, I believe, and Brie. Mm. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done on camera because of all the freaking nuances i don't know wow. how real i want to be with the squeeze just yet i'm just getting <laughs> acclimated but um first question man it was it was wild it was you know you, you walk on stage during the music now you're at the teleprompter one then middle of the sentence cut to teleprompter two then reverse pivot one of the girls will walk out if she gives you a hug hug her back if she doesn't give you a hug just let her take a seat as you're sitting down have this conversation but about a minute 30 seconds into the conversation we need you to throw to a piece coming off off the piece if she's crying just lay out let her cry yeah if she is not crying ask her a question but don't use too many words say something like so what's going through your mind right now yeah and just lay out and just let it be keep in mind we have to transition from her to the next person so feel it out when you're ready to transition it was it was so complex. I made sure to get editing power as well um, because I wanted to make sure that the viewer was going to see 
exactly what I said. Amazing. And there was one pivotal edit, and and for the sake of the squeeze, for the sake of my friends, um, I'll share this piece, and then I don't know if you you cared for all this information during the course of the conversation. Oh, I do. <laughs> during the course of the conversation, I'm hosting the bachelor. I'm sitting there talking to Rachel. See, I didn't realize that my light skinned friends break out in hives when y'all get nervous. Some of y'all, see, that's not something that you know us dark skinned people do. So I didn't realize that was a thing. <laughs> I don't really like. I'm talking to Rachel. She's in this elegant uh, red dress, and Rachel and I are super close at this junction in time. Now, not back then. And all of a sudden, like her skin's you know breaking out in hives or whatever. I ask Rachel. I say, "Well, Rachel, it's time for me to bring out." Matt, mm-hmm. are you ready to see him? With tears in her eyes, she goes, no. I say, sorry, I have to bring him out anyway. Acknowledging her emotions. That's not what the edit looked like. The edit looked like, well, Rachel, it's time for me to bring out Matt. Are you ready to see him? No. Matt, I said, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> That's not what happened. Because I acknowledged her emotions yeah. in reality. Yeah. So we can't take out me acknowledging her emotions because somebody, Taylor's going to be sitting at home and being like, she was crying yeah. and he didn't even bother to care. Yeah. So um, that was The Bachelor. It was a crazy time in my life. Checked a box. Yeah. I did it. Maybe you're up next. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, after hearing that, I don't, I, I know, honestly. I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I don't know if I want to be up next. That sounds that sounds worse than <laughs> sounds hosting like SNL. my nightmare. <laughs> yeah, but very cool, very very cool. Thank you for the insight and the scoop. I feel like I. Uh... He's like, dang it! Now I don't want to do it. <laughs> Dreams are crushed. It's okay. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Okay, now on a more serious topic, uh, I want to get into... I've heard the story, but I would love for our listeners to hear it. Kind of what led you to starting your series, Uncomfortable mm-hmm. Conversations with a Black Man, because I love this story and I think it's so cool. Um, and I would love for our listeners to hear it. Man, I will say first and foremost, when there is a calling on your life, pick it up. Mm-hmm. That's the first, I'll preface everything with if there is a calling, a passion, a fire in your heart, something that you can't shake, pick it up. Uncomfortable Conversations. With the black man, for those that don't know, it's been viewed by 95 million people now. By the grace wow. of God, we won an Emmy Award for it, a number one best-selling book for it, because it was a calling that I picked up. So what is this it that we're speaking of? Because I have to assume everybody watching and listening has no idea yeah. um, what I'm talking about. So that yeah. is what it is. In the wake of the murder of George Floyd, everybody in America was trying to figure out what in the world are we going to do? So many people were being very introspective. Well, where have I gone wrong? Where's my lineage gone wrong? Others were outraged. I'm sitting in my house in Austin, Texas, and I am furious because I just watched another black man be murdered. And it wasn't exclusively the murder that elicited the outrage. It was the thought that if not for these cameras, 
this officer may have gotten away with it. That's that's a nuance, um, Tay, that so many people are missing. It wasn't yeah. just the murder. It was a realization that they may get away with it. I'm in Austin, Texas, and I go to my my dear white friend's house, and it's um, two of them, and they and two of my other friends are next door neighbors. So I walk into their house for dinner. It's four of them in total. I walk into the house, and I am righteously angry. And so we're sitting there, and I call them my dear white friends because I've known them forever. I go, I went to college, and I met them my freshman year. We go back. The reason I include their race is because it is urgently important to this conversation. So we're sitting around this table. It is me, my my best friend, and um, these other and, and my four uh, white my four friends that are white. And I say, why is it that we keep seeing the 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 murder or pain inflicted of black people without any sort of backlash? And they ask me a question in return. They say, well, Emmanuel. What can we do to solve the problem? And I say, there has to be more exposure from, from, from black, from white people to black people. They look at me and they say, well, how? Now, I grew up going to church with these people when I went to college at Austin, in Austin. And I said, well, y'all could go to black church. And Tay, they said this, this was their response. And this is when I knew something had to change. I said, well, y'all could go to black church. They said, we thought black church was your thing. The reason I'm bringing up church is not to be overly spiritual, but if y'all track with me while I'm listening, I was like, wait a second, you all who are incredibly close to me don't realize the jurisdiction or lack thereof of black spaces. Yeah. So then I said, they were like, you know, well, clearly, you know, we're friends with black people and all the things I paused them, paused them down. And I said, how many black people were at your wedding? That's what I asked them. I asked them that question because I'm like, that's when you can really tell who you close with. Yeah. When you see like who made the cut for your guest list, yeah. that's when you can tell like who you really friends with. Mind you, I walked the mother of the bride down the aisle just to bring to context the listener how close I was with the people I'm speaking with. I said, how many black people were at your wedding? They said three. Myself, my brother, and another person um, who, who's a singer out in Austin. That's all you need to know. I said, so you all who genuinely don't have a racially insensitive racist bone in your body don't even have that much you got a wedding of 200 300 people only three black people were there you do the math yeah great cut two so why didn't comfortable conversation start i led there and i said wait a second taylor we have to have dialogue between our white brothers and sisters and our black brothers and sisters I'm on a bike ride. I'm cruising in Austin, Texas. I'm on a bike ride. I called my friend. I said, hey, I got to do something. Like we have to do something. She was a dear white friend of mine. I said, um, I'm thinking about having this, this, this show called Questions White People Have. Terrible title. Terrible title. I apologize <laughs> to the squeeze listeners. It was a terrible title. But white people had questions. So I was like, you know, questions white people have. She responds and she says, well, what do you think about calling it uncomfortable conversations? I was like, nah, it has no stick. Like it is an uncomfortable conversation. There's no punch. There's no like, ah, I got to listen to this. I put my bike in my garage. I walk into my house in Austin, Texas. I walk right past the, 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 the bathroom towards the kitchen. I pause. I turn back around and walk back towards the bathroom. I look to the left. I look in the mirror. You're a black man. Uncomfortable conversations wow. with a black man. Um, the first episode was supposed to be with a dear white friend of mine. She had a change of heart at the last second. Um, we were supposed to record an hour, four minutes before call time. This is a true story. An hour, four minutes before call time. She was like, I can't do this. They don't want to see me. It's not right. I can't do this. Tears in her eyes. I realized, Hey, I don't have the luxury to not do this. Mm. A calling on your life. You got to pick it up. Yeah. So I go into the studio as I'm walking into the studio. I get a text from a black friend of mine. Again, the race is important. 
I get a text from a black friend of mine. She says, Emmanuel, I don't like this idea you're doing questions white people have. I hadn't told her I changed the title. I don't like this <laughs> idea you're doing questions white people have. Nobody educated black people on how to assimilate into American culture. Why do we need to educate white people on how to assimilate in our culture? All I texted her back was, I'm going to go the way God leads. Go into the studio. Again, true story. Go into the studio. Um, I say three. Two. And at one, I look up to the camera. I go for nine minutes, 18 seconds. We don't cut the camera. We don't edit it. It was really a God divine moment. Um, for nine minutes, 18 seconds, I speak. I put it out on social media within five days, had 25 million views. I get a call five days later from a no caller ID number. I pick it up. Acho McConaughey speaking. I want to <laughs> have a conversation. I'm like, okay, okay. McConaughey wants to have a conversation. We'll have, we'll have a conversation. I say, yeah, let's do it in three days. I was not going to do another episode. I didn't want to do another episode because oh. I, I, I didn't want to be a one hit wonder, right? I wasn't trying to be like Soldier Boy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I cranked that Soldier Boy, but after that, you know, Al, kiss me through the phone was a great song. Um, so I didn't want to be a one hit wonder. So I wasn't going to do another episode, but McConaughey calls me and he says, let's do another episode. I say, cool, we'll do it in four days. He says, let's do it tomorrow. Huh? Okay. Cool. We, we can do it tomorrow. I call the studio. I say, hey, I need to do another episode tomorrow. They say, sure, Emmanuel, one problem. What is the problem? The studio is currently painted all blue. Takes 24 hours to paint, 24 hours to dry. For anyone that's ever seen Uncomfortable Conversations, I do it in an all-white room, all-white backdrop. Taylor, I was in a dilemma. <laughs> 24 hours to paint, 24 hours to dry. Studios painted sky blue. She says, I have an idea. That's the owner of the studio. She says, I'm going to go find a sheet of paper. We find a white sheet of paper. We roll it down. We cheat the camera. I don't tell McConaughey. He's just going to have to show up and find out. <laughs> he thought it was a high quality production. I had my best friend, Olympic gold medalist. She stood in as my producer. A wedding videographer stood in as my video person. And I edited and shot the whole thing. Wow. McConaughey and I, we do episode two. After we release that episode, five days later, get another call, no caller ID number. I'll end the story after this. I get another call, no caller ID number. I pick it up. Hi, Emmanuel. Oprah Winfrey speaking. <laughs> I say, Oprah? Oprah, Oprah. <laughs> my, my voice starts getting high. Have you talked to her before at this never. point? This is the first time. First time. Wow. No caller ID number. Oprah Winfrey speaking. Just wanted to know you have time to FaceTime later. I said, do I have time to FaceTime? <laughs> Oprah, do you? Do you? <laughs> Um, and so I get on a call with Oprah and the first question she asked me, and I asked you all this question, if you all recall, when I walked into your house and she taught me to ask anyone this question before you have a conversation, she asked me this. She says, Emmanuel, what is your intention? I said, Oprah, my intention is to change the world. And I truly believe I can. I'm currently working on writing a book. She said, books. I love books. <laughs> um, and we partnered together to write Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Boy. And um, that is the long story of how Uncomfortable Conversations began. It's a cool story. It's a great it's, story. I was going to say you should write a book about it. Or books. They should, I love books. They should make a movie about it. <laughs> about, this whole, about this whole experience. I just can't imagine answering a random number and it literally being Oprah. Honestly, being anyone like that. But you're like, like, what, what is going through your mind? Are you like, wait, what is happening right now? It, it, was, it was a fascinating time in my life because prior to Uncomfortable Conversations, the first one, I played in the National Football League. So sure, I'd, I'd, I'd been used to some level of fame, but I had 37,000 followers on Instagram for context before episode one. After episode one, within like a day, 300,000. And then everything changed quickly because now everybody and a mama 
is is reaching out to me for different reasons. Yeah. Anybody from from Reese Witherspoon to Jennifer Aniston to McConaughey to who are just reaching out for different reasons. And mind you, and I'm sure you all can attest to this, Hollywood famous is different than like pro athlete famous. It's just different levels of famous. And so what was going through my mind was just a whirlwind of be a good steward of it. Mm -hmm. That's all I could tell myself is steward it well, steward it well. Like that became my catchphrase was like steward it well. I will also say it, and this is what I don't say often that nobody really realizes. Do you all remember Blackout Tuesday? It was on Instagram, Blackout Tuesday. Everybody had to post a black square on Tuesday. You didn't have to, but in the wake of the murder of George Floyd, it was like, hey, this is a act of solidarity. I was not a huge fan of Blackout Tuesday. I'll get to that later. But what people don't realize I dropped uncomfortable conversations. Unbeknownst to me, I dropped it on Monday. Mm. Blackout Tuesday was the next day. Mm. So when nobody was posting, everybody was sharing my video. So uncomfortable conversations was more a matter of me just following the lead of my life. And it did what it was supposed to do. Because if I don't post that video on Monday, if I post it on Wednesday after Blackout Tuesday, we might not be having this conversation. Yeah, But it was a matter of action timing following your heart following your convictions following your calling and trying to steward it well yeah Yeah. dang that's really powerful yeah do you mind going into your opinion on the blackout tuesday situation and what your thoughts are behind that well, my opinion for that, it, it is a applicable, it's applicably broad as well, is we need to be more focused on outcomes and optics yeah. in life yeah. in general. This isn't just for racist dialogue. This isn't just for sexist dialogue. This isn't just for oppressionist dialogue. This isn't just for religious dialogue. It's for all dialogue. And in my mind, we did so many things in 2020 for optics, yeah. not necessarily for outcomes. Yeah. And posting a black square, uh, what's that doing? You know what I mean? Like, what's now, if you wanted to post um, resources, yeah. Yeah. books, if you wanted to post organizations you could donate to, if you wanted to post different sort of outlets that you could support, that's one thing. But Okay, so you know, okay, so on Monday, I'm going to post my bikini picture. Then on Tuesday, I'm going to post my black square. Then on Wednesday, I'm going to post my bikini picture. Yeah. On Monday, I'm going to post my GQ outfit. Then on Tuesday, I'm going to post my square. And then on Wednesday, I'm going to post my GQ outfit. What are we doing? Yeah. And why are we doing? What is your intention? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, It almost felt for me and like, I knew so many people that felt this way. And I just was like, I was trying to figure out myself what the right thing at that moment was to do. And it, it felt like instead of putting your attention on what is the right thing to do in this moment that will actually make a change, it was worry of what you're going to look like if you don't post it. Yeah. And I didn't love that idea. Um, and I know so many people were like, you know, worried if, if they don't post it, what's going to happen? What judgment are they going to get? And I don't know. I, that's why I, I, I like talking with you about it because uh, we we talked about it that day yeah. um 
I want I I I wanted to do something, but I yeah. I didn't want to only do something because you know of of feeling worried, you know, yeah, or feeling like you have to, and then you post that you did your thing, correct, and then you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, that was the that was the thing I was struggling with. And I think a lot of people struggled with that. That's why I, I have a lot of freedom in moving in my convictions. I say very freely, I haven't been on one march. I ain't been at one protest. I ain't been at one rally. Because instead of going outside, I went inside. Then I always say, like, fight the way you know how. Yeah. So many people are trying to figure out, well, how can I be an ally? Well, how can I be a resource? Man, use the skills you've been given to support. My best example of allyship, after the first episode, this is true. This is a true story. This is a very true story. After the first episode of Uncomfortable Conversations, remember, I edited it myself. So I was like, oh, this will sound better with music. Okay, got to find music. I do some quick Googles, some quick Googles. Oh, this is a nice little science soundtrack. Post the soundtrack underneath my video. Post it on YouTube. Big red X. I was like, yo, what the heck? Why'd you just X my video? I guess I had stolen music. I didn't realize you could steal it. If I could access it, how's it stealing? Yeah. yeah. Copywritten. So after the first episode, I get a text from a producer friend of mine and they were like, hey, can I help you in any way? As a, a dear white friend of mine. I said, yeah, I need some legal music. They sent me a whole catalog of legitimate music that you can download free online. That's allyship. He used his ability to help support somebody that was fighting for a great cause. So, so many people think allyship exclusively looks like posting a black square, exclusively looks like protesting, drawing a sign, marching down Melrose in California. Right. It doesn't necessarily look like that. It looks like finding a need and filling it. Yeah. Mm. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. I feel like I needed that. That was definitely something I, yeah, I, I actually forgot that how, conflicted we were feeling when all of that was happening because i was like i want to like share resources and share things but and you know i'll post this square because i want to show i support but like that doesn't feel real to me like i want to be an ally to someone or like in an actual way not just doing my tuesday square take the tools god has given you yeah and you know find where in this world you can use those to help that's, that's that's what it, it is yeah. and that's allyship i think across the board yeah and, and with any group whether it's supporting women whether it's supporting people of color whether it's supporting any minority that's allyship across the board yeah yeah, yeah. i love that love it this episode is brought to you by better help so on the show i feel like we are constantly learning new things about ourselves uh, I feel like every episode we talk with a guest and we're like, oh, well, that's a new perspective or that's a new way to look at it. And we always make the joke that, you know, it's... We're getting free therapy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've both really benefited from therapy and obviously from the show, but from actual therapy, uh, you know, we've learned a lot about ourselves in that way too. Uh, so I'm really excited that we're partnering with BetterHelp uh, for this episode because what they're doing is just absolutely great. If you're thinking about starting therapy, I would 100% recommend giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. And I love this because you can literally like see your therapist during your lunch break or like on your drive home from work. You don't have to set aside time when you're off work or on the weekend or whatever it is to do that. They make it so easy for you to talk with someone. Discover your full potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash the squeeze today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash the squeeze. Talk about convenience. Talk about convenience. Illogical. How, how long has it been since Illogical came out now? Illogical came out March 17th of 2022. Okay. Okay. Yes. You all were out of town. Otherwise, you all would have been (laughs) at my book launch housewarming party because you all did get invited. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's because someone was supposed to relay the invite. (laughs) (laughs) Is that person behind the camera right now? Um, but yeah, illogical. I, I did. We we got the the book, and I love it. And I was hinting toward this before, but it's one of my favorite chapters in the book. And I also saw a video recently of you talking about it, and it just like it hit me over the head like a ton of bricks when you talked about this, and I just could not agree more and can't relate to it anymore. So I was just wondering if you could share a little bit about the don't forget your earmuffs chapter talking about the AirPods and the noise cancellation, the filter and how that can relate to our everyday life. Yeah. Um, illogical, my, my most recent book, I don't know. I don't even like writing and found myself writing three books in a year and a half. I don't know how My that happened. Gracious. Um, <laughs> so, man, everything I write is based upon lived experience. Yeah. Um, I believe the best books that are written are books that an author has lived. Over the course of life, so many people will tell you what you can't do. So many people will tell you what you can't do. But the problem is there's so much negativity, you don't really know what the heck to gravitate towards. And so I believe it was chapter two when I say don't forget your earmuffs because the beautiful part in the illustration I use of the Apple AirPod Pros, different from the original version, was that they have a noise cancellation feature. And you have to know when to use a noise cancellation feature to fully block out the noise on the outside because you can also hit the transparency function and the transparency button and that allows some noise in because there is constructive criticism but then there's also just criticism and i believe that and i've said this before that i think criticism is kind of like drinking salt water when people criticize you it's like salt water because the the thing about salt water if you look it up is the body gets so dehydrated from the salt that you'll die from the salt prior to the water actually nourishing you. And the problem with criticism on this day and age, whether it's uh, social media, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, people criticize you so much that you will emotionally perish from the criticism before the construction can ever add value. Yep. Wow. And so that's why I said, don't forget your earmuffs because in life, you better know when to toy- turn on them noise canceling. Yeah. That noise canceling feature, figuratively speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, it it hit me over the head like a ton of bricks because, um, well, I've said that phrase twice now. <laughs> My gosh, 
Um, because- Love bricks. <laughs> I, I li- I've literally never said that saying. You should have said a bag of lemons, I feel like. <laughs> there you we know. go. All right. It, it hit me over the head like a bag of lemons because that is definitely something that I struggled with in this industry and growing up. And I, if I'm being completely honest, I think it, uh, I think it held me back. And that is... I am all for, you know, learning from your mistakes and there's always room to grow and, you know, not always just looking at the positive, but like you said, the, like the transparency way where you can hear some, but when I, when I was younger and I, I put so much pressure on myself, like when I was headlining a film or something and, and reviews would come out or, you know, comments would come out, I definitely took in way too much criticism. And I thought it was going to further me. I thought it was going to strengthen me. I thought I was going to learn from it and go on to the next project and be better because of it. But I read so many terrible reviews. I read so many, you know, negative comments that I really think it messed with my head. Mm -hmm. And it honestly, it just, it tore away my confidence. And I I didn't know where, I didn't know where to go from there. Um, I don't think I was brave moving forward with the choices I was making because I was so scared. I was living in fear that the next thing I do is going to get the same kind of reviews. It's going to get the same, you know, comments from everyone. And I I think that had a a major impact on my career, my life. And it's taken a while to, you know, figure out to recover from that and figure out the place that I want my mind to be in when I do work, when I do do something and putting the value in the right place. So that's, that's for me why when hearing uh, that chapter and you speak on that, it just, it it meant a lot for me and it gave me a, a really, really fantastic insight moving forward with my life. One, thank you for um, hearing that. I think that's a good word. We're all struggling with the influx of feedback. Yes. Feedback is very necessary in life and we all crave feedback, but we have now this insatiable desire to know. Did this picture get more likes than the last? Did this post get more retweets than the other? Yeah. Did this TikTok get more shares than the last? Like our 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 craving for feedback has become this beast that we quite literally can't satiate the appetite of. Yeah. And I think it's led all of us, myself included, to healthy places. Dude, I've gotten to a point now on TikTok, the second I read uh, on Twitter, the second I read a negative word about me, I just block. Like if I see a sentence is going in a direction from from Jim Bob 89711, uh, <laughs> block, I, I won't finish the sentence because yeah. I don't even want to read it. Because yeah. once I've read it, I've internalized it and mm-hmm. I've digested it and I've I've, it's become a part of my day. Yeah. yeah. So the second I even read, like, you sound like a nope, blah. Oh. Because 
I, like you, have even as recently as today wrestled with like, wait, this isn't real. This is like social media is not real. Someone else's criticism of it's just not real. Put your phone down. Get back into reality. Talk to the people across from you like we're having this conversation now. So I, I struggle with that now more than ever. Yeah. It's such a, I've gotten to the point where I just don't even, I'm so far the opposite. I don't even look at the comments. I don't even like of our friends. I don't, I just don't even like look like sometimes. I'll literally be like, did you see what this person said? She like never even looks on comments. Like (laughs) she posts it and she's like. Post and goes. That's yeah. (laughs) It's it's funny because I, when we posted this, we were getting like feedback. And so I I did look at when we posted it and some people were like, this is great. I know you're not never going to see this comment, but I love the show. (laughs) I'm like, well, I guess I've got my point across there. But yeah, that's that's definitely something that like our brains aren't made to have that much. I mean, even just social media in general, have that much like constant stimulus. Yeah. Yep. Um, They're not made for that. So that on top of like criticism and comparison and all that stuff like that's it's just a recipe for disaster so yeah we need healthy healthy social media like at lemons by tay and at emmanuel acha put on your earbuffs <laughs> put on those earbuffs <laughs> so basically you just are constantly someone that people go to for advice for information for wisdom for Everything and anything. You're constantly pouring into others. And that is very similar to a lot of our friends that we have. You know, they are constantly pouring into others, constantly giving, constantly just giving themselves and their information and their mind and their thoughts and their soul to people and helping others. And on top of that, like you're you're doing that, you know, online and on TV, you know, for people you don't know. Then on top of that, I am sure, I will make the assumption, correct me if I'm wrong, that in your personal life, you are also that to so many close friends. Um, and I, it, it's, uh, this one just hits hard for me because, um, a couple very close, uh, friends in my life, I I don't want to say worry for, but I do sometimes because I know that they are that person for so many people and they're, they're that person for me, but I know I'm not the only one. Uh, I know that they are the person that people go to when they are happy, when they're sad, when they need advice, um, whatever it is. And it doesn't matter how, you know, close those people are to you and how much you love them. It still is exhausting and it still can suck it out of you. And it is so important to find whatever it is to, to recharge. Because if I feel like if you don't recharge, then you're not going to be able to be there, you know, strongly for those people. So I can only imagine on top of, um, the people in my life that I, you know, can, uh, attribute this to, you also do that for a living. So how do you, how do you recharge? How do you not let it just suck everything out of you? That's a good question. Um, it is exhausting. 
And I, I always said, particularly during 20 and 2021, when we were just on the heels of so much chaos in society, I said it was a worthy exhaustion because I was exhausted. I knew nothing else besides being tired. It got to the point where I had burst a blood vessel in my vocal cords because I was talking so much. Whoa. I mean, I couldn't speak for a week leading up to one of the biggest conversations of my life. I was going to talk to the commissioner of the National Football League, Roger Goodell, for one of my episodes. And my doctor put me on complete voice rest. Hey, you're not allowed to talk. So I would just text people back and whatnot. I would say it's a worthy exhaustion. How do I recharge? I try to find pockets. You know, thankfully, I'm like a introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert where I regain my energy from people. Conversations like this, hanging with y'all after grabbing a bite, whatever the case may yeah. be. Um, that's how I find my energy. Small groups, um, getting together with people I love. Thankfully, I don't need to just sit in isolation to recharge. And I also love being able to hang out with people who need nothing from me. Yes. Because so often, like, and it's not even their fault that they need something yeah. from you, but society might need something from you, but the sports show might need something from me. My producers might need something from me, my family, but being able to hang out with people is just like, huh, you don't need anything. Yeah. Cause I've gotten to the point now where people call me and my instant response is like, Hey, you just want to talk. You need something. Mm -hmm. Cause if you need something, let's just, let's make this quick and transaction. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let's yeah. not spend five minutes on the like, so yep. let's cut to the chase. So I'm not yeah. tripping. What do you need? Yeah. Let me see if I can help you with what you need. Then let me get back to my free time. Um, yeah. But yeah, just being able to spend time with people who don't need anything. It's a blessing. Yeah. You know, like, oh, it's a blessing. I relate to that so much. That's like, I've learned that like group, big group settings. I'm like drained so fast. Our friends are having a party and I literally left after like an hour i left taylor there i was like i'm gonna go home and go to bed i have no fomo there's nothing i was like yeah. i literally i just need and you to leave. love these people yeah. like everyone there I like was you. at their at their <laughs> home i was like i need to i need to leave there's a lot of people here i'm tired but in small group settings i'm like the, it fuels me that's like what i love or like one-on-one -on -one with someone that is like close to me that doesn't need anything from me yeah. that i can just like relax and talk to or even sometimes not even speak to that part that part like you can just share space with yes the hard part of, of certain conversation i'm sure listeners can attest to this some people won't just relish in the silence yes yeah. well you know always got to talk you know always yeah. got to feel space yeah let's just be and yeah. finding people who won't judge you if you're just gonna be you yeah can i just come sit on your couch yeah can i just come eat your food like we ain't got to talk let's just share space yeah and just be in life together. Yeah. I feel like that was like the last, the last friend, this sounds weird. The last friend I made, I don't make friends often, but she was <laughs> over here and we literally like didn't speak for an hour. We were both like doing work and just like hanging on the couch. And I was like, I love her already. Like, yep. <laughs> that's how you know it's good. Yeah. We were talking before uh, this, uh, you're asking me like why I do this. And a big reason why um, I started this was because I lost a friend to suicide and I know that you have lost some people in your life to suicide as well and I wanted to know what is something that you've learned from that and if there's any advice that you can share from what you've learned going through that with our listeners that's a heavy question that's a good question jeez what did I man I would say I've learned a lot I've learned a lot um 
buckle up listeners because I made word vomit. Um, I would say the imminent thought in my head right now is you don't know when your last moment will be with someone. So try to make sure that last moment is as valuable, as impactful, as loving, as joyful, as peaceful as possible. Um, regardless of when it is, I would say, tell the people that you love, that you love them. I, um, I grew up in a Nigerian household and my parents, I knew they loved me because of what they did, but you don't overly verbalize. I love you. Yeah. I don't leave my mom and dad's presence now without like saying, I love you. I, I overuse. I love you. Yeah. Um, now I don't overuse it in the sense of not meaning it, but somebody that I love, I will make sure they know it. You can still be a person of faith and struggle with mental health. I think I've, I've learned that. Um, I've also learned more people are struggling than you realize. Yeah. Um, I I loved uh, uh, one of my favorite artists, Kirk Franklin said, he said, bother people today. Mm. Check in on them so much that you bother them. Yeah. Um, He said that and that really stuck with me. I've also learned um, the people that seem the happiest might be struggling the most. So checking on your happy friends, checking on your perfect friends, checking on your got it all together friends i've also learned grief it follows no natural trajectory yeah there is no order for grief and you don't know when grief will strike i've also learned that your tragic and tragedy story it's a part of the fiber of your new being Mm. so just embrace it you 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 will not be the same person after you experience that loss and you shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, I've also learned that time doesn't make you forget. It makes it easier to remember. I've learned a lot. Yeah. And um, I'm learning every day. And I'm not going to cry on this podcast. That's <laughs> what I'm not going to do. Um, but I've learned a lot. And life is hard. Life is very, very, very hard and find people you can do life with who help make the difficult easier mm-hmm. because it's difficult. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you well, for sharing. I, you know, haven't lost somebody close to me um, like that, but, I, you know, I know Tay was sharing with you beforehand. That's her friend Jared is kind of really what like really started this whole idea there's a photo of him on my desk over there yeah he's right over there (laughs) well these combos they need to be had yeah they need to be had i think conversations of mental health need to be had conversations of death by by suicide they need to be had i mean the rates have increased exponentially and and you know what else i've thought is we are the suicide hotline Wow. Yeah. We are. Yeah. It's not a number that you can call. It is the clerk at the grocery store. It is the pedestrian crossing the street. It is the neighboring car at the stoplight. It is the um, grocer at checkout. Like it is you listening. It is me speaking. We are the suicide hotline. Yeah. Do not be dependent upon somebody on the opposite end of a phone. Like you are someone's escape that smile 
to keep someone holding on. That one compliment, that speaking of life into someone that you don't even know who you just ran across, who you just felt a a calling to say like, hey, like you're valuable, you're worthy. I'll end this thought. My brother, um, my older brother, he played nine years in the National Football League. I love him to death. If you ask him like, hey, what's the most important thing most important thing you've ever heard. He said he was talking to his mentor and his mentor was about to die. Mentor may have been 80 or so years old. He was about to die and he asked his mentor, he said, wait, like if you're going to, if you're going to go, then leave me with a piece of information, like leave me with something, just leave me with something. And he said, his mentor told him, my brother's name is Sam. He said, Sam, you are worth getting to know. Mm. And I love saying that to people. Because it's so simple but powerful, like, hey, you are worth getting to know. Taylor, you are worth getting to know. Listener, you are worth getting to know. Because so many of us in life question our worth, question yeah. our value. But like, no, you are worth the time, the energy, the effort, the bandwidth it will take to get to know. And that's just always stuck with me because I believe if more people realize their worth, um, then they wouldn't struggle as much. Um, with their value. Yeah. Yeah. That goes hand in hand with something that I honestly may have heard it from you now that we're speaking it, but we find our value where we put value. Mm -hmm. The first time I heard that, I was like, wow, that's so true. And we equate that like so much to whatever it is in life, someone's opinion, something on social media, someone like the things that we can't control, we can't put value in that. Like we need to put the value in the things that we can control. Yeah. Who has had the most positive impact on your mental health? It's a good question. Um, I'm not going to say God or Jesus because that's cheating. (laughs) I don't like speaking Christianese. Um, So I will say my best, one of my best friends, his name is Cheaty. um, And he's just light comedian, just all things funny, um, incredibly positive impact. And then, yeah, I'd probably say him, a friend that can just make you laugh, humor, laughter is an incredible form of therapy. Yeah. An incredible form of therapy, like seek to laugh, find somebody that'll make you smile, even when you're hurting, because I've gone through some dark, dark days in the last 14 months. And like somebody who even in the midst of tragedy can make you laugh, man, I'm telling you, there's. There's nothing like it because my mental health has been, it's been tried in these last 14 months. I'm due to tragedies that we've spoken of. And by the grace of God, I've I've come on the other side of that on top. Um, Oh man, mental health. That's a conversation now. It's a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. We love, we love mental health conversation. We we love the conversation. Last question I have for you uh, is if you can go back to one moment in your life, what moment would that be? And what would you say to yourself? Okay. I got a question for you. Why, um, what am I going back to that moment for? It could be anything. It could be something you want to redo. It could be something that was a hard time. It could be something you want to, if you could give yourself advice. Yeah. Um, like for me, I don't know if this would be the one, but like I would go back in time and tell myself at like the height of, you know, fame in my career to put value in the right things 
because mm-hmm. I think I was I, I was putting them in the wrong things, and that is what put me down a, a course that I really could have avoided a lot of pain, a lot of wasted time and energy, um, and I you know could have moved. I could have skipped a chapter in my life that um, you know not taking it back. I think it taught me a lot. Yeah. So. I don't know. Do I want to go back and tell myself that? I don't know. But I would, I, I, I would, you know, just loved to have known during that time in my life, those things are important. I would go back to the first episode of Uncomfortable Conversations when I'm sitting in a room and I couldn't eat. Um, and it was me and four other people. And I would just say, this is going to change your life get ready yeah i wouldn't change anything yeah i would just i would just tell myself like hey these next words that you will speak will change the trajectory of your life prepare yourself yeah um i'm kind of like you taylor that if you if you change if you would have changed anything it would have changed everything yeah yeah and so i wouldn't change anything but i would just say like hey get ready yeah because like it's the 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 flood is coming yeah Yeah. love it love that well thank you so much we both and so many others um just respect you and just cherish you in everything you do and um just thankful for people like you doing the doing the hard work yeah and so so beyond honored to call you a friend and have you in our lives um so thank you so much from the bottom of our heart for being here today of course, man. This uh, this is good. This is therapeutic. Yeah. This is therapeutic for me, hopefully for y'all, and obviously for those watching and listening. Like these conversations are invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. All right, let's go get a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for squeezing us into your day. Please be sure to rate, review, and follow our pod and check out full episodes on YouTube. You can follow me at Taylor Lautner, my lovely wife at Tay Lautner. Check out The Squeeze on Instagram at The Squeeze. And also give a give a little uh, glance and a follow to Lemons by Tay. That's at Lemons by Tay on Instagram and LemonsbyTay.com. And also be sure to email us, lautner.thesqueezepodcast at gmail.com if you guys have any questions, any guests you'd like to see. We've gotten some interesting emails so far, which has been awesome. But most importantly, please continue to talk about your journey with those around you and send our show to a friend that you think could use a little extra squeeze in their life. Absolutely. Toodles magoodles, everyone. Magoodles. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.